When wishes were horses and beggars could ride, in a stone castle by the sea there lived a rich land. How am I supposed to choose? There are so many. And so he left the trail, and he followed the sound of the music. I am the goat from the hills and the mountains. And when I have finished eating these herbs and these vegetables, then I shall eat you, too. Once upon a time and welcome to the Story Story Podcast. I'm your host, Isabel Hauser, and I have some stories for you. This is a podcast to hear traditional stories told by some of the best storytellers in the world. It will take you to long ago and far away and will bring you back safely. We are in the spooky season of the year and this episode is, let's say, three out of ten skulls, but they're all smiling. In my last episode in September, I told you about the key that I got while busking by the lake with my musical friend Susanna. I've been carrying it on a chain around my neck ever since, and wherever I went, I was on the lookout for its lock with one eye, but to no avail. Days passed and turned into weeks, as quietly as the leaves on the trees began to change their color from green to yellow, orange, red and gold. And it was one of those beautiful autumn days that I took the cog railway up the mountain for a walk. It was a weekday, so not too many people were out and about. I breathed in the crisp, chilly air as I made my way into the forest, enjoying the peace and calm of the woods. I don't know for how long I was walking, only that when I reached a sunny spot in a small grove, I was so tired that I decided to rest for a little while. I lay down in the soft grass, closed my eyes and drifted off. I don't know what woke me up, but I must have been asleep for quite a while as the sun was already setting behind the trees, bathing their tops in a golden light. Quickly I got up and as I turned to leave the grove, I noticed something. There, at the bottom of one of the trees, was a door. The first teller for this episode is Heather Forrest. I absolutely love how her way of storytelling is described. They call it the minstrel style, which stands for a unique blend of original music, folk guitar, poetry, prose, as well as the sung and spoken word. Heather has written several books and recorded eight albums of storytelling, and she has been telling stories for over 30 years. During these decades, she has brought the magic of live storytelling to theaters, festivals and conferences throughout the US and abroad. Today, she shares with us the story of the boy who drew cats. a young artist who lived in Japan. He was the son of a farmer, a hard-working man. His father said, son, you must learn a useful trade. But the boy loved to draw, and all he ever made were cats, 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 cats. Sleeping cats, creeping cats, stalking cats, walking cats, biting cats, Cats, quick, slick, curious, luxurious cats, cat eyes, cats, 
claws, cats, cat eyes, cats, cat paws, cats, 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 cats. The boy's father was a hard-working farmer who complained, Son, you creep away so often to draw cats, you've neglected your farm chores. You seem far better suited to lift a paintbrush than a hoe. I will take you to the monastery at the top of the mountain. There is an old monk there who can teach you to read and write. Perhaps then you can make some use of your brush strokes. The boy was delighted. If I could read and write, he thought, I would write poems about cats. He packed his best inkstone and his finest brush and set off with his father up the mountain. The old monk who greeted them at the monastery gate welcomed the boy as a student. When they entered the temple, he gave the boy a sleeping mat and a rare old book to study. Care for this book well, he said. It is a valuable treasure. The boy admired the delicate brushstrokes on the pages and then carefully put the book beside his sleeping mat next to his best inkstone and brush. Each day, the boy tried to concentrate on his lessons, but every time he noticed some empty space, such as a white wall, a rice paper screen, or the white edges around the writing in the old book. He could not help himself. He took out his inkstone and brushes, and he drew cats, 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 sleeping cats, creeping cats, stalking cats, walking cats, fighting cats, biting cats, quick, slick, curious, luxurious cats, cat eyes, cats, cat claws, Cats, 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 cats. One night, the old monk discovered the cat drawings in the old book and exploded at the boy. You must leave, he raged. You've drawn cats on every surface in this temple. But as he threw open the door and ordered the boy out, he considered for just a moment and said, Something lurks in the night. Be careful or your heart will turn to stone with fright. Take this advice. And go. Beware of large spaces. Keep to small places. The 
boy shuddered under the glare of the monk's stern gaze. He quickly packed his drawing tools, thanked the monk for his advice, and hurried out the door. Night was falling as the boy started down the darkening road. After a while, he stumbled upon a deserted temple. An eerie glow came from its central hall. The boy cautiously entered and saw a huge empty space. Cobwebs hung everywhere. He carefully eyed the edges of the room. All along the walls were white rice paper screens. A smile spread over his face. He couldn't help himself. He took out his brush and paint and began to draw cats. Creeping cats, stalking cats, walking cats, fighting cats, biting cats. Quick, slick, curious, luxurious cat eyes, cat claws, cat thighs, cat paws. Cats, cats, cats. He drew until he grew so tired he wanted to sleep. Suddenly, he realized. That he was in a large space, he worried to himself. The old monk told me to beware of large spaces. He noticed a small cabinet in the corner and decided, "I'll sleep in that small place." He opened the cabinet door, climbed in, curled himself up like a cat. And after a while, fell into a deep sleep. During the night, he was awakened by horrible sounds coming from the middle of the room. Scratching, hissing, screeching, growling—the sound of a huge monster's growling, scratching, hissing, screeching. <laughs> the boy's heart was pounding, but he didn't dare come out until the dawn. At the first rays of morning light, he cautiously opened the cabinet door. In the middle of the temple floor, lying motionless in a pool of its own blood, he saw a huge rat goblin the size of a cow. Oh. That creature was coming to eat me," thought the trembling boy as he crept out of the cabinet. "Who saved me? The old monk must be here." But as he looked around, he saw that no one was there. He glanced up at the white rice paper screens. And stared with amazement at his cat drawings. Every cat had a delicate line of rat-goblin blood dripping off the edge of its mouth 
and claws. My cats saved me? At that moment, the young boy knew, regardless of what anyone said, he would always draw cats. He grew to be a man, and he became a legendary painter in Japan. If you go there today, people will show you his paintings and say, at least once a day he drew cats, 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 sleeping cats, creeping cats, stalking cats, walking cats, fighting cats, fighting cats, quick, slick, curious, luxurious cats, cat eyes, cats, cat claws, The fairy tale sponsor for this episode is Stingy Jack's Pumpkin Farm. No more foraging for the ideal carving pumpkin at your local supermarket. Pick your own perfect pumpkin at Stingy Jack's Pumpkin Farm. Tended to by Stingy Jack himself, these are the most fabulous pumpkins in this realm and the next. This spooky season, let your porch, windowsill, balcony, yard or centerpiece be the one to truly shine with a pumpkin from Stingy Jack's Pumpkin Farm. Free hayride and a ceramic imitation of the original turnip is included with every pumpkin. Stingy Jack's Pumpkin Farm. No pumpkin better than the original. This episode is also brought to you by our new patrons Erica and Astrid. Not only are they generous supporters of the arts, they also have a magical ability. Erica can draw maps of fantastical lands, and when she sneezes three times in a row, she really does find herself there. She also has a way of coming back to our reality, and perhaps one day she'll share that secret with us. Whenever Astrid holds up a rock to her ear, she can hear what they are saying. Apparently, some of the rocks have voices more beautiful than... Well, you can insert any one of your favorite singers here and rest assured that the rocks sound at least seven times more enchanting. Do you want to know what your magical ability is? You can if you become a supporter of the podcast. Join us at patreon.com forward slash storystorypodcast or storystorypodcast.com and hear about your fairy tale skill for as little as $4 a month. We also love reading from you, be it a review on Apple Podcasts or an email to storystorypodcast at gmail.com. Share your favorite stories, wishes, hopes and dreams. A gleaming thank you to all the patrons who make this podcast possible. You are the last rose of summer in our early autumn gardens. The door was the same color as the tree trunk and the point of its arch came up just below my knees. The hinges and the handle gleamed as if someone had just polished them. Gently I tried the door handle, half expecting the door to lift off and reveal nothing but a trunk, but it was locked. 
a lock, and I was still carrying that key. My fingers were trembling with excitement as I fumbled with the chain, and my heart stopped when I slid it into the lock, turned it, and heard the click of the door unlocking. With a the door opened, and my heart pounded. I got onto my knees and peered inside, but it was too dark to see anything. I waited for a moment, half expecting to shrink by some magical twist to be able to step across the threshold, but nothing happened. Carefully, I switched on the flashlight on my phone. The inside of the tree lit up, and there I discovered an envelope. By the look of it, it had been there for a while. The address was smudged. I turned it over, and it wasn't sealed, so I peered inside. A single folded sheet of parchment. Curiosity got the better of me, so I carefully pulled it out and opened it. The words on the page made my heart ache. I read it twice, three times. Then I carefully folded the letter again and put it back in the envelope, put the envelope in my pocket, closed the door, locked it again and made my way home. I must find that woman again to give her the letter. Wish me luck that I succeed. The second teller for this episode is Tim Lowry. Tim is on the road a lot and performs in a wide variety of settings. Schools, libraries, storytelling festivals and many more. He says that a well-told story is the pure cane sugar in the sweet tea of life. And today he shares with us the tale of the king of the cats. Once upon a time, there was a little old lady and a little old man. They lived in a house a far ways from the little village, and they had no children of their own. But they did have one big orange cat. Being a male cat, they named him Tom. And the cat was a great comfort, especially to the little old lady. Every night, when the little old man would go to the village to visit with his friends at the tavern, the old woman would sit in her rocking chair by the fire, and Tom would sit on her knees, and she would stroke the cat, and he would purr. One night, while the little old lady was sitting in her chair, stroking the cat, she waited and she waited for her husband to return from the tavern, and the night had grown very dark, and the hour had grown very late, and he did not come. At last, the door to their little house flung open, and the old man stood there, shaking and shivering, his face pale as a ghost, and the old woman said, Saints preserve us! You look like you've seen a spirit! What on earth is wrong with you? And the man said, Well, you know, when I come home from the tavern, I have to walk past the old church and the churchyard cemetery. And tonight, when I walked past the cemetery, I looked in at the gate, and I saw a very strange sight. But I don't think I should tell you more than that. No, said the old woman, do tell. And she began to stroke the big orange tomcat, and the tomcat began to purr. Purr. Well, said the man, when I looked in at the gate, I saw seven black cats. Six cats were carrying a coffin, a box for a dead man's bones. 
three cats on either side of the coffin, and they had lifted it up above their heads and were tiptoeing on their hind legs down a path right through the center of the old graveyard. They were led by the seventh cat, who had a white mark right in the middle of his forehead. He was standing on his hind legs, and he held a lantern overhead to light their way. But I shan't tell you more than that. No, said the old woman. Do tell. And she continued to pet the cat, and now the tomcat was purring a bit louder. Well, said the man, if you must know, I watched this strange funeral procession as it went all the way to the back of the cemetery where there was a fresh dug grave. The cats lowered the coffin down into the hole, and then they kicked dirt all over it until it was completely covered, and then the cats started to wander about the tombstones, meowing and hissing and scratching and making a hideous noise. But I shan't tell you more than that. No, said the old lady, do tell. And she stroked the cat, and the tomcat purred even louder. Well, said the old man, the cat with the mark on his head brought the lantern right over to the gate. He lifted the lantern so the light was shining straight into my eyes, and then he spoke. But I can't tell you what he said. No, said the old lady, do tell. Now the tomcat's purr was a positive roar. The cat opened his mouth, and he said, Tell Tom Toldrum that Tim Tildrum's dead. But as I have never had the pleasure of making the acquaintance of Tom Toldrum, I can't tell him Tim Tildrum's dead. And if I don't tell him Tim Tildrum's dead, how will Tom Toldrum ever know unless I tell him? All of a sudden, the big orange cat on the old lady's lap started to swell until he was twice his normal size. And then he spoke and said, If Tim Tildrum's dead, that makes me king of cats. And with a wow, he ran right up the chimney, and the old couple never saw him again. Thank you for listening to the Story Story Podcast. Show the love. Find Heather Forrest at heatherforrest.com and Tim Lowry at storytellertimlowry.com. Tell them you heard them on the podcast and now want to hear them tell more stories. If you have questions or comments for the podcast, you can send us an email at storystorypodcast.com. You can also connect with me directly at isabelhauser.com. If you get in touch, let me know the favorite story you have heard or the favorite stories of your childhood. Who knows? Maybe you will hear them here soon. The inspiration for the fairy tale sponsor was the spooky season. The true fairy tale was inspired by the true fairy tale from September 28th. And the music, as always, is by Poddington Bear. This podcast is made possible by patrons like you. Consider becoming a patron or joining the mailing list to get podcast goodies or writing a review on Apple Podcasts, which helps other story lovers find and enjoy the show. You will hear more stories next week. But until then, live happily ever after. Mary-Kate opened up the door, and there, on the doorstep, wrapped in his own blanket, was her baby. And to the
Anansi spins webs so that he can catch the flea, the fly, and the moth that got away. If you go down to the lake on a clear day, when the water lies as calm as a sheet of glass, you can still see the rooftops of the castle glittering in the sunlight. And if you listen really closely, you can even hear the festive music 